we're going to dive into uh, a third part of kind of uh, uh, this. It's kind of a series within a series because we've been looking at how do I use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we've div- divided it up into kind of three parts today, and uh, well, really over the last couple of weeks. But I want to I want to start with John sixteen seven, and this has kind of been the theme verse for this whole series, which is when Jesus made this statement. He said, "But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the Advocate, everybody say the Advocate, the Advocate won't come, and if I do go away, then I'm going to send them to you." And so we've been looking over the last seven weeks now over why did Jesus say it was best for you that he leaves? It would always seem like it wouldn't be best for Jesus to leave. I would love to have Jesus with me all the time. Um, But for whatever reason, he said that it's best that the Holy Spirit comes. And because he knew that as soon as he left, the Holy Spirit would descend and would be available for every person everywhere at all times. And, And so that's why the Holy Spirit is here. We've been looking at the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1 says this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be, everybody say this word, uninformed. I don't want you to be uninformed. Uh, I want you to, to know and understand the spiritual gifts. There are a lot of Christians that when it comes to spiritual gifts, uh, they just don't understand. It's not that we're dumb. It's not that we meant to. It just, it's just we just don't know. And so we said, let's, let's spend some adequate time this, in this series unpacking these gifts. And so we divided them into kind of three sections, the discerning gifts, the declarative gifts, and today we'll talk about the dynamic gifts. And uh, the discerning gifts were words of knowledge, words of wisdom, discerning of spirits. Uh, Pastor Bubba preached on that one two weeks ago. Last week, Pastor JJ was in the house, and he spoke on prophecy, the declarative gifts, which is prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And then today we're going to wrap it up with the dynamic gifts, which is faith, gifts of healing, and workings of miracle. Now, dynamic gifts is where we get the Greek word dunamis. Dunamis. It's where you find that word is in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus tells the disciples, go and wait for the Holy Spirit. And when he descends upon you, you're going to receive power. Power, that's this word dunamis. It it sounds very similar to another word that we know that's dunamis, that has power. Does anybody know what that word is? Dynamite, dynamite. It's this explosive force that happens. And if you know anything, you read the book of Acts, that's exactly what happened. After the Holy Spirit came down on the the new believers, the church was birthed and power. The rest of Acts, from Acts chapter 2 on, is power encounters what God does. And we'll share more about that in just a little bit of of how this works. But I want to read one passage of scripture before I dive into the three gifts. And that is in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. This is the Apostle Paul. And I want to just stop real quick here and set the stage for where we're going today. Paul says this to Timothy. Now, he has planted Timothy to pastor the churches, and uh, Timothy is a young pastor. And so this is a letter to a young pastor that's brand new and leading churches. And so these are very wise words from an old sage to a young gun. And he says this, hey, for God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear and timidity, but of? And? And? Self-discipline. God has not given us a spirit of fear. 
I cannot think of a better verse that speaks to the times that we're living in right now than this one right here. As a reminder to the church that God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. When things want to jump on you, you have to just remind myself, if I'm fearful, that's not from God. Are y'all with me? Now, God gives wisdom. He gives us wisdom, but he doesn't give us fear. Uh, What he does give us, though, is he gives us power, this dunamis power. He gives us love, and he gives us self-discipline. Another word for self-discipline, self-control. Think about everything that's going on right now. Think about everything that you're reading on Facebook and online and everything. How many know the church needs to be reminded you have power, you need love, and you better represent some self-control? I mean, every time you see something and you want to say something, the Holy Spirit is like, mm-mm, no. Mm-mm, no, 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 no. Backspace, 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 backspace. No, 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 no. All right, every time you want to do something. And so that's how we know we're operating in the Holy Spirit is he gives us power to say no to things that we used to say yes to. So what would happen is, is normally when someone would act stupid, I would call out their stupidity. But I've been given a new power that is motivated by love. love. And it gives me some self-discipline. So these gifts that God has given us are motivated for us to do it within a power that is not of our own, motivated by love for people. And ultimately, with the ability to have self-discipline to know when to exercise it and how to exercise it. And so we're going to dive into the, the dynamic gifts here. And uh, I, I want to jump right into it because I, I want to share these stories that, that are going to be attached to these. But number one is faith. If you want to write that down, faith. And I'm going to give you a working definition. That's what we've been doing for every single one of these gifts is a working definition of each one of these. So faith is this. Faith is a supernatural impartation of belief and confidence for a specific situation. That is faith. Now, this is not, let me tell you what this is not. This is not faith to believe in Jesus, the faith to believe in him. This is a totally different thing. This is the ability to perceive what God wants you to do or what God is doing in the midst of a moment. And so I want to illustrate these Um, gifts by sharing stories in scripture of men and women who operated in this gift. So the gift of faith. One of my favorite guys in the book of Acts is not Peter, John, or Paul. One of my favorite guys in the book of Acts is a guy by the name of Stephen. Now, if you know, if you read the book of Acts and you read Acts chapter six, um, there's uh, a crazy thing that's happening. The, the church is exploding. It's growing like crazy. They're seeing revival in such incredible ways. But how many know when you have growth, you have problems? Yeah. How many know that as you get larger, you get more problems? Yeah. How many know more money? No problem. Y'all heard that? How many know no money? <laughs> more problems. Okay, so this happens both ways. So when you, when you have growth that's happening like this, uh, there's going to be problems, and, and it's good to know that in the New Testament church, there was also some problems, and the Hellenistic Jew widows um, were complaining because the church had gotten so large that before, they were getting fed meals every day. The disciples would come, and the church would come and provide them meals, 
And, and all of a sudden, they were starting to get overlooked. And so they, they just raised a complaint and said, hey, what about us over here? And, and so the disciples, uh, the apostles get together and they begin to pray and say, what do we need to do? And so they said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to select seven men that are full of the Holy Spirit and have wisdom and have good reputation. And we're going to put them as leaders over the mill ministry. So they, they started a dream team for mill ministry. That's what they did. And they selected seven guys to be on this dream team. And those guys were going to operate in serving all of the widows. Nothing super fancy. Their whole job was just to take care of widows and make sure they get fed. I mean, it really is a, a very insignificant assignment. At least it seems that way. And one of the guys that they choose out of the seven is a guy by the name of Stephen. And I want to show you how the scripture describes him because this is so important for this story. It says this, look, look in, the, in uh, verse five, it says this, and what they had said pleased the whole gathering and they chose Stephen. Now watch this. Everybody help me with this. A man full of faith and, and of the Holy Spirit. A man full of faith. We're talking about the gift of faith. A man full of faith and a man full of the Holy Spirit. Now here's, here's, here's what I love about this story. Stephen is not an apostle. Stephen is not some high, like, really educated dude. Stephen's just a normal guy like you and I. But the way that they describe this normal guy is he's full of faith and he's full of the Holy Spirit. And why is this so important? Because what we're about to see in the life of Stephen, Stephen takes a very insignificant task, but he's full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. He's not given a microphone and he's not given a stage. You know what he's given? A bowl and a spoon. You're like, man, I want to go do great things for Jesus. Here's a bowl and a spoon. Go, go serve the widows. But I can preach. No, here's a bowl and a spoon. Go feed the widows. And here's what I love about this. Because when you are full of faith and you are full of the Holy Spirit, you can take what seems like an insignificant assignment and make it a supernatural moment if you watch what happens with him. Watch how this happens. Verse 8 and Stephen, here we go. It keeps describing him. Now he's, he's full of grace and, and power. And he was doing what? Great wonders and signs among the people. We don't hear anything about Stephen not serving widows anymore. It's believed by most scholars that he is still serving widows. He's just doing his little normal day job. But guess what? Not only is he serving widows, but he would go over to the widow's house and see what she needs. And then as he's there, the neighbor would come over and go, what y'all doing? Oh, we're just serving widows. And then he would be talking with the person. They go, man, you know what? Man, my back's been hurt. And he's like, hey, I got a solution for that. Can I pray with you? And all of a sudden, as he's serving meals at the widow's house, he's over here healing people on the other hand. He's doing signs and wonders as he's going about just doing a normal daily task. It says this. Let me give you a definition of signs, and I'm going to give you a definition of wonders. Because we see that actually all throughout scriptures. What is wonders and signs? What is this? Signs are visible pointers to God's supernatural activity. Visible pointers to God's supernatural activity. Wonders... They are works intended to create a sense of awe and amazement. Works intended to create a sense of awe and amazement. Stephen had a gift of faith 
The scripture says he was full of grace and full of power. He's doing great wonders and great signs. He had a gift of faith, even if it meant he was just passing out meals to people. And I love this because here's, here's the attitude that Stephen had. Ready? And this is so applicable to you and I. Everywhere Stephen went, he said this thing. I think God may want to do something here. I think God may want to do something here. And not only was he passing out meals, but how many know he was also passing out miracles? Is he an apostle? No. He's just a simple guy like you and I that's just full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith and full of grace and full of power. And he steps up into this. And so what insignificant assignment he takes and does something supernatural. So here's my question. Ready? For all of us. If you're online, what insignificant assignment or thing that you're doing right now that you think is insignificant does God have you in right now that he wants you to bring power, grace, and faith into? Man, I'm just a mom. No, you're a mom full of the Holy Spirit. Man, I just got to go offshore. I hate this job. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. If, you, if, you, if you're in the front line, the medical workers, come on, how many know if you are a medical professional right now, there's everything the culture wants to bring that's fear and it's tiresome and it's exhausting, but how many know if someone walks into a medical profession and into a hospital and they're a doctor or a nurse full of the Holy Spirit and full of grace and full of power, come on, how many know they can change an environment? Pastor Bubba shared this story of when he was in the hospital, literally, uh, for many of you that that maybe don't know, he was on his deathbed. Like, I mean, it was getting close. I mean, it was a very scary thing. He said one night he was there and he couldn't breathe. He said the nurse walked into there and was trying to do everything that she could to help him medicinally. But then she, she, he said, he, he said he was coming in and out of consciousness. He said she laid his, her hands on top of him and started speaking in tongues over him and began to pray healing over his body as she's ministering to him medicinally. How I many know we're going to do what we need to do normally, but how I many know we also have a supernatural thing that happens that we can do when we step into this? What would it look like? I just think that as Christians full of the Holy Spirit and full of power and full of grace, that whatever we walk into, we make better. And if we don't, it's probably because we're not full of the Holy Spirit. Because everywhere Jesus full of the Holy Spirit walked, he made better. He believed. He had faith for great things. And so the same thing was happening with Stephen. Now, here's the deal. Watch this. He had so much faith and so much power, and there were so many wonders and signs that were happening. Guess what happens? Apparently, he's so powerful that all of the local officials and all of the religious leaders feel like they need to shut him up. So they bring some fake charges against him, and they make him defend himself. And I love this. If you read all of Acts chapter 6, it says that they couldn't even keep up with the wisdom that he shared. So he there in front of the high priest gets an opportunity to share his defense. Here's the coolest thing. Ready? Watch this. Everybody watch. He preaches the longest sermon in all of Acts. He's not an apostle. He's not any fancy leader. He's just a normal guy. And the book of Acts gives him the longest sermon. That'd be like, hey, Damon, come up here. Come preach. I'm done. And no, don't sit down there. And so. He would, though. <laughs> and then he gets, he gets the longest sermon, not me. 
Think how crazy this is. And so he preaches the longest sermon. It's the longest recorded sermon next to the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew chapter 5. Next to Jesus. And he preaches that. And watch this. Ready? His sermon was so good. I mean, you got to think. He's so full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of love. He's full of grace. How would the people respond to him? I mean, they got to be like cheering him. They probably picked him up and like walked him around on their shoulders like, Stephen, Stephen, Stephen. You know, he's performing miracles. You're healed. You're healed. You're healed. You know what happens? Watch how they respond to him. Acts chapter 7, verse 54. When they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, meaning, hey, by the way, let me just say what this means. They did not like him. If, if it, this wasn't like grounding their teeth like, yeah, this was like, I'm going to kill you. Y'all know what y'all do when your kids go crazy and you're like, I'm going to. Okay, all right. So this is what's happening here. They were enraged. They were grounding their teeth at him. But he, here we go yet again. This is huge here, by the way. There's a reason why the Bible keeps responding, I mean, keeps writing these descriptions of him to show you how he responds to these things. Full of the Holy Spirit, he gazes into heaven. Everybody's hacked off at him. And he gazes into heaven and he saw the glory of God. Watch what the next verse says. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God, he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. He sees Jesus. Watch how they respond to him. Oh, you see Jesus? Oh, but they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Oh, they definitely picked him up and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. Talk about not wanting to go back to that church. Okay, watch the next verse. And the witnesses laid down their garments at their feet. This is huge here. Laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named... Saul, which you go in the next chapter, chapter eight is the story of Saul's conversion. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Now this is huge. Okay. This is why he needed to be a man full of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just so he could preach the longest sermon. It wasn't just so he could do wonders and signs. It was so he could have faith like this in this moment. Watch, watch the next verse. He says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit and falling to his knees. He cries out with a loud voice, Lord, everybody say this with me. Do not hold. How many of you know you have to have the Holy Spirit to say that? Some of y'all get your panties in a wad when someone doesn't like you on Facebook. I will not say that again, okay? And of course, it's live streamed. And my wife is probably watching. I'm sorry, babe. Okay. She will rebuke me when I get home. Okay. Is this not true? Someone cuts us off in traffic and we're like, what? He's getting stoned. And not recreationally. And he's going, don't hold this against him. Don't hold this against them, God. Some of you haven't even forgiven your ex-husband or a co-worker or a family member who's saying stuff behind your back. But who cares? When you're full of the Holy Spirit and the power and of grace and of love, you have the faith in the midst of a situation like this when everything inside of you wants to respond a certain way that the Holy Spirit says, no, 
You know how this response is? Does this seem familiar to someone? Who did this same thing? Jesus. Jesus. He's on the cross. He's got a spear in his side and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. What would it look like if we were people of faith that when people were intentionally hurting us, instead of holding on to bitterness and resentment, that we said, Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. They're actually hurting themselves more than they're even hurting me. Because I'm dead to the flesh and I'm alive in Christ. And if I'm alive in Christ and dead to the flesh, you cannot offend a dead man. But you can. You can defend a person who's living in the flesh. So when he, I, and I love this. I, this is my favorite part of this whole thing. And when he had said all this, he just fell asleep. Like he didn't even give them the privilege of killing him. He's like, ah, <laughs> Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Is he dead? I don't know. Did he just fall asleep? What's going on? forgiveness, ready, watch this, everybody says, man, I I want the gift of faith, ready, forgiveness is the gift of faith in action, can I read, can I read, go back to the description of faith, faith is a supernatural impartation of belief and confidence for a specific situation, How many of you right now are in a place in your life where you need the Holy Spirit to give you some supernatural faith to get through something that you're going through right now? Anybody? Yeah. Need some faith. It wasn't just the faith to preach the message, which, by the way, many people do get saved. It wasn't just the faith to go through um, to do signs and wonders, which those were amazing. Everybody wants signs and wonders, but nobody wants to forgive. You need just as much faith to do signs and wonders as you do to forgive some people. It's the faith for for all of it. Faith to forgive, faith to heal, faith to bless, faith to do signs and wonders, faith to do an insignificant task that will often seem overlooked that no one appreciates. But how many know because he was willing to do something that no one else was willing to do and an insignificant, how many know God said, I can use that because you're a man full of faith and I can show you you can do miracles even if it means you're serving widows. Number two, I've got to keep moving. All right, gift of healing. Gift of healing is a supernatural ability to restore someone to divine health. How many of you believe that God has the power to touch a sick body and heal it? Who, who has the believe that? Okay, how many online? You have, you have the confidence that God can heal. Okay, how many of you right now need or you're representing someone who needs a healing right now? Whether, okay, many of you that are in here. <clears throat> Now, here's the common misunderstandings about the gift of healing, and there's two extremes. One side says that God no longer heals, that that was just for the Bible days, New Testament, but it's no longer. But there's another side, and I don't think most people believe that. There may be a small majority that do believe that. Majority of you in here said, no, you do believe that God heals. But here's an opposite side to this that I want to speak to just for a quick moment, because this has tripped up more people in the faith than I know. The other side of this is that if you are sick, it's because you didn't have enough faith, and if you would have had more faith, you wouldn't have gotten sick. And so what that does is it heaps on condemnation on you that if you would have prayed more, given more, served more, 
tithed more, helped more, not said that what you said more, then you wouldn't be faced with cancer that you are, or you would have been healed of this, or, you, or he wouldn't have died because of this. Or I'm just telling you, Psalms 103, verse 3 says this, speaking of Jesus, he, everybody helps me with this, this is huge, we gotta set this up. He forgives all my, and all my, he does both, right? I mean, believe God forgives sin, Okay. Well, if he forgives sin, he can heal diseases. So here's the question. Ready? Okay. Because this is a question I get all the time. If God is a healer, then why didn't he heal my grandfather? Why didn't he heal my daughter? Why didn't he heal this? Why didn't he heal that? And that's a, that's a big question. That's a big question. I have a son that's still battling health issues too. And I have as much faith as anybody to believe for healing. This is so huge for us to understand that God has the ability to do it. God can heal. But let me ask you this. Does God forgive all sins? Yes? Ready? Watch this. Do you still sin? Exactly. Can God heal all diseases? Do we still get sick? Yes. And and here's the reason why. Ready? We just live in a fallen, sick world. We live in a fallen, sick world. You still have a human nature inside of you that is fighting and wrestling. That's why we still sin. And our God heals. But I just got to say this. But God doesn't always heal everyone all the time. He just doesn't. Now, we will believe for it. But God chooses who, when, and how he will heal. You cannot control the gift of healing. You just can't. The Holy Spirit might give you the ability to heal someone in one situation, but that doesn't mean that you can turn that on at all times and everyone is healed in every situation. God is the one who miraculously brings healing. Now, whether that healing comes instantaneously through prayer and laying on of hands, or if that comes over the time of process with the common grace of God giving you amazing doctors, or if that just comes with your natural body being restored, um, or if that even means that you do die. How many know at the end we get healed because at the end, even if we die, we're still alive. We're still healed. So you get healing on either side of it. And so here's what you got to know. Ready? My faith isn't based on what he does or doesn't do. My faith is based on who he is. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, that is who you are. So my, my faith is not based on what he can or can't do. My, ba- my faith is based off of who he is. So Acts chapter 3, let me read this story, and I'll show this, and then I've got I've to go. Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 10 says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Now, this is huge here, okay? They're on the way to go. Peter and John are on their way to go pray um, and, and go to church. And here they are. There's a lame man that's been lame from birth. He's been carried to this gate. He begs at this gate every time, and he is asking for alms. Now, I want to pause here just for a quick moment, and here's the only reason why I say this is because we live in a culture where we don't want to be bothered. We don't like being inconvenienced. And here you are. These guys are just trying to get to church. And they're on their way to church, and as, they, as, they're, as they're about to go into church, there's a lame man there, and he's asking for money. And, and so this is what I wrote down. If I expect 
to be bothered and remain flexible, I allow the Lord room to work in moments of the miraculous. But if I'm always on my way, I got to do my stuff. How many know oftentimes miracles happen when you weren't planning it? It wasn't like today at 2.30, I'm going to do a miracle. (laughs) Just wasn't that way. It's like I'm on the way, you know, to Walmart and then there and then I pull up and then uh, then some lady comes out with a wheelchair and she's all up in my space. I'm like, come on, hurry up, get out of my space. And that could be a moment. Are y'all with me? Like just being ready for a moment. And so here they are. They're in a moment. And verse four, I'm going to read verses four through ten. It says this. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive some money. Watch what the next verse says. But Peter says, I I don't have silver and I don't have gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of the Lord Jesus uh, Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and he raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and he began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is huge here. Not only did the healing come from God, but the faith also came from God. Because notice, it was just a lame man. He wasn't even asking for a miracle. He didn't ask for healing. He asked for spare change. How many know there are times where we're asked God for one thing and he won't give us what we want because he wants to give you something you need, not what you want. So you're like, God, I want that man. And he's like, nope. Instead, I'm going to give you a job. Instead, I'm going to give you this. Instead, I'm going to give you that. And sometimes we're asking God for one thing and God who knows us so much knows maybe that's not what you need. What you think you need is not what you need. I know what you need and I'm going to give you what you need. This guy didn't need spare change. Come on, how many know he needed new legs? And I love that about Jesus because Jesus will often say no to things that we think that we want to give us things that we really do want. There have been seasons in my life, I know, where I've prayed for one thing and God did not give me that because he had something better he wanted to give me. So maybe, just maybe, there's some things in your life right now that you're not getting that you think you should have or that you think that you're owed, but it's not coming to you. But you need to ask the question, God, is there something else you're trying to give me right now? Maybe God's trying to give you faith. Maybe God's trying to give you joy. Maybe God's trying to give you peace. You're asking for this, but he knows if you get that, you ain't going to have peace anymore. And so what he, get, he gives him this in this moment, and he heals them. He lay, lays hands on him. How many of you in here have, have experienced God's healing? Like, you, God has healed your body. I, we, we have countless stories. If you go on our eFam page, I ask people to share some stories, and you can go and look on there. And so many people shared stories of what God had done and faith stories of how God had used them in moments of faith and believing for God. I think about um, Harvey Gott in our church who had heart issues and God raised him. I think about Mr. Clayton John Neese who had cancer, Pastor Bubba who had cancer, my son who had lung disease. I, I, I go around this, this room. Shay Monso's daughter that was in the ICU for a minute. Come on. How many know you just, we just have miracles in our house? Physical healing miracles in our house. But here's what I want you to know, because when we say the gift of healing, God doesn't just heal bodies. God also heals the brokenhearted. 
And that's huge here because some of you are like, I'm not sick. Yeah, you're not sick physically, but you are emotionally. And I'm here today to tell you that we serve a God who can heal even emotionally the broken areas of our lives. How many of you glad for that? The gift of healing, that you can step into a room and maybe you step into your work and someone may not be sick physically, but you know they're sick emotionally or they're sick in depression or they're sick in despair. And how many know you can have the gift of healing to rise up into that moment and go, can I just pray for you that this thing will be lifted off of you? So the gifts of healing. It's not only, by the way, the gift to administer healing. How many know the gift of healing is also the gift to believe for healing for yourself? Last one, and we're done. The working of miracles. Working of miracles is a divine intervention that alters our natural circumstances. Divine intervention that alters our natural circumstances. How many of you have experienced a miracle before. If you've experienced a miracle in your life, raise your hand. Online, if you've experienced a miracle, raise your hand. We want to see it. How many of you, there's something in your life right now where you need God to intervene on your behalf? Anybody right here? Okay, number of us right here. So I want to keep reading this, this story because the lame man walking was amazing. But watch this. It was not the greatest miracle in this story. That seems like an incredible miracle. Guy can't walk from birth, and he raises him up, and he's got legs. How do you know? Seems like legit. That, that seems like that's the best one. I don't think you can ice that one. Well, if you read in Acts chapter 3, verse 11, it says this. While he, speaking of the lame man, clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed all the people. And so here we are. Peter's always looking for an opportunity to preach. So here he is. He healed this guy. This guy's by them. Everybody is shocked and amazed because they've seen this guy there for many, many years begging. And so all these people, of course, rush to, uh, the, to the temple. And Peter's like, here's my moment. Let's take it. And Peter goes and he begins to just share what Jesus has done in his life. How many know every time God performs a miracle in your life, it's not an opportunity to make much of you. It's an opportunity to make much of Jesus. And so Peter and John could have said, what, what? Look at this. You see this? Y'all want to touch these hands? He didn't do that though, did he? He said, okay, here's my moment, guys. Listen, you're all fascinated with what you just see with this guy, but let me tell you who this guy just met. And here we are in this moment. He begins to preach this message to them and watch how the people respond to him yet again, just like Stephen. Chapter four, verse three and four, and says this, and they arrested them. Man, these are some good preaching. So good. Get killed in one, get, get arrested in another. They put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Verse 4, here's the miracle. But many of those who had heard the word believed. And the number of men that came to about 5,000. A guy getting new legs is a healing 5,000 people not going to hell but going to heaven is a miracle. Are y'all with me? I'll take no legs if I get heaven. Some of you are praying, pray for this, pray for this, pray for this, pray, pray that they get healed. Pray. 
And we can pray for them physically. But let me tell you something. If they get the physical healing, but they don't get the spiritual one, they still dead. They did not get the real miracle. The real, how many know when someone gives their heart to the Lord and they get saved, how many know that is a miracle? And we can believe for other miracles. And there was tons of other miracles that actually happened. But I want to show you what happened in this moment. And, and here's why I want you to understand this. If you've been saved, you're a miracle. How many of you know right now, you sitting in this church right now, you're like, that's a miracle. For those that are watching online, that, that, that's a miracle. And so watch, I want you to now watch how the religious leaders who hated these guys, arrested these guys, watch how they speak of these guys, even though they hated them and they arrested them. This is how they speak of them. Next verse. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were, here's it is, they were uneducated and common men, they were astonished. Peter and John were just some uneducated, flunked out of school guys. Does it make any of y'all feel good? The only thing that separated them from everyone else, they were men full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. And if you go and you read all throughout the rest of the book of Acts, God shows that he's a miracle-working God. Acts 5, Peter's shadow heals someone. Acts 9, Peter raises a woman from dead. Acts 12, an angel breaks Peter out of jail. Acts 16, Paul and Silas deliver a girl from, from a demon. Prison doors are opened by an earthquake. And then they lead the jailer and his entire family to Jesus. Acts 20, a, ba- a, a boy falls out of a window because of Paul's preaching? Come on, how I many know? That's a sermon right there. I've never preached and killed somebody. <laughs> the guy was so bored, he fell asleep. He fell out of the window and he dies. And I love Paul because Paul's so gangster. He stro- stro- strolls up, goes, picks up the boy, brings him back up there and goes, nobody dies when I preach. He heals the boy. Come on, how I many know if you kill him with a sermon, you can raise him up too. So, I mean, you got, you're the man. <laughs> I'll kill you, but I'll raise you back up. He raises the guy back from, the boy back from life, back to life. And then Acts 28, Paul is bitten by a poisonous viper, doesn't die, goes into a village that he didn't plan on going to, and he heals the chief priest that's there. He's a miracle working God. But I'll end with this. God did not always bring miracles and deliverance from danger and suffering to his children. This is what we need to hear right now. Acts chapter 4 and 5, Peter and John are beat and in prison. Acts 6 and 7, Stephen is stoned. Acts 8, Christians are scattered because they're being killed and persecuted. By Saul, by the way. Acts 12, James is executed. I always thought, if I was James or if I was John the Baptist, how hacked off I would be at Jesus. You get to heaven. James and John the Baptist are like, hey! We got to prison. We didn't get an angel. I didn't get an earthquake. You know what I got? (laughs) Peter and John, man, they get an angel that comes and greets them and feeds them and walks them on out. I get the sword. I mean, no, I'm upset. Ready? Why is it fair? Why does one guy get delivered and another guy dies? Why does one man get healed And another man goes through cancer for 30 years. Why does their children seem like they're fine and prosperous and my children over here are suffering? 
Why is it that this guy doesn't even love God and he's got a great job and I keep losing mine? Acts chapter 14, Paul is stoned. Acts 16, Paul and Silas are arrested, beaten, and imprisoned. Acts 21 through 28, Paul is arrested and tried and imprisoned. God does not perform miracles just to make your life easy and pleasant. Ready? The purpose of miracles in the New Testament was to validate the ministry of the church. And just as Jesus' miracles validated him as the son of God. Jesus does not perform miracles in your life to make your life better. Jesus performs miracles in your your life to point to him. Miracles still occur today. And oftentimes when we think of miracles, we think of really big stuff. Miraculous healings, legs being grown back. But how many many of us are walking in miracles right now and we don't even know it? Small little miracles day by day by day by day. We're seeing God work in many ways. Some seen and some are hidden. The question is not whether or not God still performs miracles. The question is not is whether is our heart open to receive them. And I will end with this because I am way over. But it's been three weeks and I have an 11 o'clock service. I got plenty of time. I got space now. Watch this. Here's the, here's the huge part. All right. Faith and obedience, I want you to write this one down. Faith and obedience is our responsibility. The results are God's. If I'm being very, very honest, there's been many a times I've been afraid to pray for people, whether it's healing, financial. I mean, you just go through the list. Whatever the needs are, there's been a fear and intimidation Uh, intimidation on me to pray for people because here's what I think in the back of my head what happens if they don't get it but you know that reasoning is wrong and here's why because it puts the pressure on me to do the results when the results are not on me there was a lot of years I stood up here to preach with such a fear on me in a bad way because I'm like I want people to get it. I want people to get saved. I want people. And literally, it was like the Holy Spirit reminded me that's not your job. Your job is to walk in faith and walk in obedience. Let me do that rest. I don't have the power to save anybody, anyways. I don't have the power to heal anybody. I don't have the power to raise the dead, but He does. And if I would just be open, heart open, eyes open, moments open, looking for opportunities to maybe be interrupted, but for where God wants to bring heaven to earth in that moment. And I go, God, it may look crazy, but I'll walk over and I'll pray for him. I'm just going to work in faith and obedience, and I'm going to expect the results to be all you. How many know we would step out and be more bold if we would understand that the results are his, not ours? The results are his, not ours. So I want to I end today with... Believing for God to do this. And there may be some of you online. I know Julie, your daughter, uh, your, your sister's in the hospital in ICU right now. I'm going to believe that she's going to get out of there quickly. That thing's going to get canceled. Some of you right now have family members that, that need healings. We're going to pray that God would touch their bodies and do a healing. Because I do know this, that sometimes God does heal our physical bodies to remind us that he's the one in charge and he brings us to him. And then he, he doesn't work. Sometimes God saves us spiritually first before he does a healing. But I know in all of it that God is working.
God is working. So would you stand in this place? If you're in a spot right now, any of these three, you need faith for a situation, you need a healing, or maybe you're standing for someone who needs healing, whether physically or emotionally or spiritually, or you're going through a situation that just, it's a miracle. Like, if God doesn't show up, it's not happening. If that's you, I want you just to lift your hands all across this room, and I I just want to pray for you. And if that's you online, I, I, you can put your hand up online. Let us know. And our prayer team online will, will, will reach out to you as well. And we, we want to pray and believe there's hands going up all over this place. So, Father, right now, God, I, I pray for every hand that is raised in this house. And I thank you that even before I pray, you know exactly what the need is. But you ask us to come to you, to come to you. So right now, in faith and obedience, we bring these things before you. I speak first to those that are in need of a gift of faith. Maybe they're just walking through a situation, maybe in a relationship or in a marriage. Maybe they're walking through something at their job or financially. Or maybe it's just something that they're battling inside of them. God, I pray that there would be a new level of faith that would rise up in this house and in every person in this room. Every person that's watching online that has just given up and says, you know what, I, I'm just tired. I'm tired of believing again. God, I pray that they would believe again, have faith again. God, may a gift of faith rise up for whatever they're walking through. Holy Spirit, fill them fresh and anew. God, for those right now that are standing for someone that needs healing, those that maybe are at home right now or even in a hospital watching this that need physical healing in their bodies, Holy Spirit, would you release your healing in their life? God, we know that you forgive all of our sins and you heal all of our diseases. So we speak healing over every person right now, physically and emotionally. Depression would be lifted off. Anxiety would be lifted off. Despair would be lifted off. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would give strength to them. And God, those that are in this room that need a miracle, for you just to show up supernaturally, that if you don't show up, it's not gonna work out. We need you more than ever. Our nation needs you more than ever. We need a miracle in this nation. Revival in this nation. And God, I pray right now, more than anything, that we would turn our hearts back to you. We would turn our eyes back to you. We would lift up our heads and look to you for you are where our help comes from. God, I thank you that today we can be encouraged in your word, that you love us. There's nothing that can separate us. Holy Spirit, pour out your spirit on us fresh and anew. Would you just say this with me? Say, Holy Spirit, fill me fresh every part of my body, of my soul, of my mind, of my heart, of my spirit. Give me your perspective in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.